Hello, and welcome to Making It, a podcast about making things with your bare hands. This is episode number seven, hosted by Jimmy Diresta, Bob Claggett, and myself, David Picciuto. And before we get this started, I just wanted to say, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes, we please ask you to rate and review the show as it helps us get in front of more ears. With that being said, let's talk about what we're working on. Bob, what you got going on? I am in the middle of a pretty cool build. Um, I'm making a secret door or a bookcase that goes to a secret room, which oh, that's is cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, a friend of mine, they had like this really gigantic attic, and they recently converted it into a painting studio for his wife, and it has some you know kind of side space. And he's always wanted to have a secret room since he was a kid. They're about to have their first child, so he decided to build a secret room for his kid. And he's not going to tell him about it for like four years. So yeah, that's <laughs> the he plan. finds out on his own. That's, yeah, so that's awesome. The plan. My kids might end up telling him before that, but um, so yeah, so I'm building a bookcase and you know, it's going to be uh, mounted in the wall. So it looks flush and it's going to have like a book that you pull forward that unlatches it and opens the whole thing. And, oh, oh man. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. That's so cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. David, what about you? What are you working on? I am making beer mugs this week. Um, oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, a couple months ago, I had an article in Wood Magazine, and I submitted a bunch of photos of my shop for this article that I wrote for them. And in one of the shots was a wooden beer mug that I did not make. It was a, somebody sent it to me. It was a gift. And I got to approve the article before it went uh, before it was published, but they didn't send me the cut lines of the photos. And so in the cut line of the photo of the w- with the beer mug, it says beer mug made by David Picciuto, which I did not Ooh. make. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I had to uh, – uh, John Gilson from woodmugsandgifts.com, he's the one that actually sent me the mug. And I'm like, I email him right away. I'm like, there's this article in Wood Magazine coming out, and it says I made something that you actually made. And he was all cool with it and said, uh, oh, I get some of my work uh, put up in a, in a magazine. A lot of my family saw that and somebody in my family said, Hey, how much would you charge uh, to make me five of those? So <laughs> I am, cr- <laughs> wow. and, uh, and so I'm currently making five, uh, beer. I'm actually making more than that, but I'm making five for her. And, uh, so that's, that's what I'm working on this week. I actually feel, uh, did a little live session from my shop today. Uh, using um, the the Google Hangouts, and it, it was kind of fun. So you got to watch me build this thing live. It's it's awkward and and weird and f- fun at the same time. So you actually built stuff today? <laughs> I I did. Well, it was kind of like there's a camera set up in my workshop. You can you you can watch, but I I I found myself it's like a productivity killer because I found myself like getting involved in the chat. Like, hey, what do you guys yeah. want to talk about? Instead of me cutting up wood and and gluing things together so i need to limit the, the the live shop cams to maybe like once a week or so but it's it's really fun and it's it's cool to to talk with everybody and people get to ask questions and and see what what when we when we make these videos they don't get to see what it takes in real time to make something so like yeah you know cutting all these little squares for the glue up actually takes like 15 20 minutes but in a video you only show like 30 seconds of that so it kind of um shed some light on how you know the actual process so yeah plus you you can't pick your nose when the uh, camera's on in your true true and i'm always fixing my hair (laughs) (laughs) making sure i look good jimmy what do you got going on over there 
Uh, it's been an easy uh, couple of weeks, the beginning of the year here for me. Um, uh, just getting ready for the tidal wave that's going to come. I was in Cincinnati last week, as you guys know. Um, Don Julio Tequila has got me working on some vintage trucks, which is fun. I'm going to be doing all the woodwork in the bed, and that's also going to be a video. So that's going to kind of go into high gear soon. But in the meantime, uh, no specific delivery date on the Dickel boxes I began working on today out of White Oak. Again, they want more of those same boxes I've posted. So I've got to make 30 more of those, which is good work. And uh, But today, specifically, I worked on a Longevity Welders that's sent me some free stuff, which is really cool of them. Um, sent me a plasma cutter. And so for a friend of mine, I'm making this Harley-Davidson sign cut out of steel and i never use the plasma cutter consistently as i have in the last few days and so it's fun because now i'm starting to kind of like like when you learn how to ride a bicycle and you know after a little while you start popping wheelies so that's kind of <laughs> where i'm at with <laughs> with my plasma cutter i kind of i'm kind of figuring out how to gouge with it and like uh, i'm sculpting a little bit with the metals only about an eighth of an inch thick so there's only so much i can do as far as like a relief cut but i'm experimenting with beveling the cuts as opposed to just straight through and uh it's going to be a backlit sign on steel so i'm hoping to finish that in the next couple of days so that's that's what i've been working on and uh and uh, that that kind of brings us to this week's subject which is failures mm. because when i began the sign a couple of days ago which actually was more like two weeks ago i wasn't loving it i was like this might have to be an abortion i'm thinking i'm looking back at it going hmm i might have this might be a false start but as i got into it a little bit i started to like it better my i, I the one thing i hate more than anything and david you probably can attest to this and bob I, I don't know how much of a graphic designer you are but i cannot stand hand drawn type i think it's <laughs> like one of the laziest things in the world is when people hand draw type unless they do it well uh, and so in this thing, I, had, I wrote the word Harley Davidson and I hand drew it. And after I cut it out, I looked at it and I was like, why did I do that? I should have just did it on the computer. Um, but anyway, it's, I fixed it up. I was able to go in and fix up some of the serifs and recut some of the letters with, you know, with what was left. And, uh, so I, I got my interest get peaked again, but, um, that's what we're talking about this week is failed projects and, uh, just failures in general. Like have either of you guys had any projects that began and then you just decided to abandon them or you, you put them up, installed them, did them, built them, and you look back and you just considered it a failure. Yeah, I actually have a, um, and it's it's right here beside me. There's, uh, there'll, there'll be a, a link in the in the show notes. But this cabinet here, it's a, uh, it's a maple and, and walnut cabinet and it's got glass doors. And when I started making this, I was doing... Um, I wasn't doing any videos yet. I was just blogging about it, like doing a daily blog of me making this this cabinet. And when I got to the doors, the doors are glass and it's framed in walnut, uh, cope and stick joinery. And I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. And so I installed the glass in the one of the doors. And the glass was kind of in there permanently. You know, I didn't make it so it re was removable. And while working on it, I dropped one of the doors, the glass broke, oh. and mm. it killed me because I spent so much time making this. And it was the first like cabinet type project that I built in a long, long, long time since high school, actually. And I was just like, I don't even want to work on this anymore. I just shoved it in the corner and I went back to 
just working on smaller stuff. And mm-hmm. what happened was I have a very small shop. And so this, this half built cabinet just kept getting in the way it was, I had to move it out of my way all the time to get to a tool. And, you know, three, four months later, I was like, I got to finish this just to get it out of the shop. And I did, I built the, I rebuilt the doors for it. I built it the correct way. And now it's, it's here in my office and it's my, by far my favorite piece that I ever built. That I, I love it. I look at it all the time. I'm like, man, I built that. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's so great. So I took that failure and I built upon that and I corrected what I did wrong. And I, and I learned from that. So definitely. Yeah. And I've never had a project completely fail where I said, screw it and put it on the shelf and forget about it. You know, I, I learned from it and that's, that's what you need to do from, from your failures. Yeah, I tend to think of like the word failure. I mean, I guess it's just semantics, but I think of failure as the thing that you gave up on. Like you're always going to have problems. You're always going to have stuff that gets, you know, doesn't work out the way you want it to or whatever. And those are just part of the problem solving process in my mind. The failure is when you give up at, at that point, when you never go back to it and you, you're able to fix it. So from that perspective, like when I think of failure that way, I really haven't had that many failures as far as, you know, making stuff because I don't, I'm a little too tenacious to like just give up on something, you know, I'll, I'll change it or whatever. But so actually today it was funny because I wasn't sure what I was going to talk about in this subject. And then I went over to my friend's house to install this cabinet, the hidden door thing, right? I go over to install it, uh, yesterday it needed to be fit a little different. So I brought it back and trimmed some things, went over today to install it. And it's kind of hard to explain why it went wrong, but so that it's a, a thick door. It's like 12 inches thick, basically, you know, it's a cabinet, a, a shelf and it has to pivot on one side and go in the other side. So from where the hinges are, the opposite corner has to clear the door frame. Yeah. That's the, when it gets deep, that's the, that's the actual radius that's, is the right. opposite corner. Yeah. So I, I had worked out the math ahead of time. I had that, <laughs> what that had to be, you know. Did you bring a hand plan with you, I hope? <laughs> <laughs> no. So I had that figured out. And then along the design process, talking to my friend and talking about books and talking about the stuff that was going to be on it, I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to do eight-inch deep shelves. And he was like, oh, well, our other shelves that we have over here are, are like 11 inches. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, I can do 11 inches. That's fine. Didn't even think about the fact that it was going to affect that thing that I had already figured out. So I get this whole big thing mounted you know, get the hinges screwed in these like hard to do hinges. I'm like, yay, it's done. Nope. Won't close. <laughs> like, Oh, totally took the wind out of my sails. But the, and, and I was like really disappointed in the moment. Cause I thought I had already figured that out. You but probably the, did it overlap the door jam by at least two inches. No, it was inch one inch, one inch. Oh, one inch. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Not, not too bad because I, there's a face on the whole thing that kind of, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so the, the, I went from a, a, a little amount of disappointment right in that moment to like, okay, now I have like four new problems to figure out how to solve. And I have, I'm still on a deadline for the video. So it's just more work in a smaller amount of time. But I went from being disappointed in that moment to like taking the whole thing down, laying it on the floor. This is like upstairs in, in somebody's attic too. Like, how can I fix this without having to carry it back downstairs, take it back to my shop? You know, what are the things that I can do here without making a gigantic mess? And so just turned into a bunch more stuff you know, that's, for me to um, solve. When, you know, they make the Leatherman, right? And on every Leatherman is that little uh, saw. That's what that's for. 
that's for solving problems on the job site. <laughs> <laughs> that little handsaw. I had, my, the, had my circular <laughs> saw with me. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a good one. We're all holding up on that. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, you bring up a good point, Bob, when you say uh, failure is just sort of a moment in time to better problem solve. It's not necessarily like a full on failure, failure. Um, the only, I'm trying to think, the only thing that really, really, that I could think of in, you know, in the immediate uh, distant past is a couple, like maybe it was last Christmas, I was leaving a client's house and it was right after Christmas and all over the street happened to be all these Christmas trees in the Upper East Side. And I had the brainstorm, I'm like, hey, I'm going to take a Christmas tree and make something on the lathe with it. So I had my camera with me, so I did this whole setup and I climbed through a pile of snow and I had my tools with me. That's why I was leaving this client's house. They'd done an install. And I'm like in this pile of garbage in the Upper East Side and I'm hand sawing all these trunks of these Christmas trees and I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is, this is like the greatest transformation. And I get them back home and, you know, within a couple of days of me getting them, like the whole basement smells like Christmas trees. And I put one of them on the lathe and I start spinning it. And I, I realized this wood is basically worthless because, but I filmed the whole process of me sending it up, cutting it, trimming it. So I was like, this video is going to be kick ass. And then when I got it on the lathe, the lathe, the same lathe that I just used in the video I posted this week. And it was wobbling out the wood. Like when you look at, the slice of a Christmas tree. It's got like 10 growth rings, like maybe five. And you know, you need a lot for, to have some strength. And so I'm spinning it. And then I realized there's like sap is flicking all over me in the whole mm -hmm. shop. Like sap is literally spinning out of these trees and it's like getting all over the lathe and all over my tools and all over my clothes. And so I just put the, I put the, I was making like a spindle. I didn't even know what I was going to make. I was just started experimenting and I took it out and I put it on the side. And then within a few days it had a huge crack down it. It wasn't even worth I said, oh, let me let it dry. And so I just abandoned that. So I have a half-made Christmas tree bully club video, which no one will ever see because it's kind of stupid. But that, <laughs> that I would totally consider a failure. When, well, when, it, when it comes to videos, like that, go ahead. I was going to say, well, what, what, what did you get out of it? What did you learn from it? I, that you got to use dried wood that's got some growth rings in it that's strong. Uh, it, I mean, one thing I noticed right away is that the wood was wobbling out on on the points because the wood was so soft. I mean, obviously it was pine, so it was soft to begin with. And a lot of people asked me this week, why did I put crazy glue on the end of my spindles that I spun my table legs out of? And that was the main reason, actually, because of that video. It reminded me where the hmm. pins go into your lathe, they get weak. I don't have a live center on my lathe, which is just a matter of me buying one. I don't have a live center, the one that spins with the legs. So it keeps pressing into the wood and making the hole bigger, you know, if you spin for a really long time. So by crazy gluing those two spots where the, the lathe pins hold it, that wood stays stronger. And uh, that was one thing I, I experimented with that particular Christmas tree lathing project, which was a failure. So, um, oh, and then I told you guys recently, a couple of weeks ago, I posted a, a, the Dickel barrel table where the, there's like a tree trunk in the middle. I made that table and the client picked it out of a drawing. I sent over a few drawings and that's why I put it in the description. I was kind of like not trying not to take responsibility for it because when I made the table and I stood back and I looked at it, all I saw was the leg of like a gorilla sticking out of a, out of a barrel because the table, I made these sort of scallop table feet, the feet at the bottom of the tree, it's a tree trunk, and at the bottom of the tree trunk, these four legs stick out. And it was still naturally colored oak. And we were joking, me and David were saying, it looks like Bigfoot's leg is holding up a table because the, the bark on the 
the tree trunk looked like fur mm. and the, <laughs> the thing sticking out looked like a naked foot. So I looked at that and I was like, oh, this table is, is fairly ugly. And I really considered just scrapping the video and just giving the client the table because they liked it. I sent pictures. They're like, we love it. But I personally didn't love it. And so mm. there was too many good pieces of video in in the final edit. But I got to a point where I didn't look at the edit for weeks. It's just like, this is this. I don't even care what's in it because I just don't like the final result. Hmm. But and once I finally finished it and I did finish the video, I said, I'm going to put it up. We'll see what the fans decide. I thought it was going to get, I thought it was going to get panned by, by the critics, but <laughs> everyone likes it. And so I'm happy that people like it. Well, I mean, yeah, not- there's, there's still value in it. I mean, maybe you weren't happy with like the visual of the final thing, but you know, people could still learn how you made the feet. They could learn how you yeah. attached, you know, all the different parts to it. So, yeah. yeah, and that's 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 what encouraged me to to, to put that uh, that video up of the, the Dickel barrel table. But like I said, when I first put the barrel on it, I was like, "Wow, this is going to be so cool!" And when I put it on, I looked back at it and I was just like, "This is ugly. This is not working." And I just had to sit on it for a couple of weeks until it until it grew on me. I get so much inspiration from quotes, and one of my all-time favorites is "Failure is success if you learn from it," and that's from Malcolm Forbes. Which is, mm. it's just, it's just one of those. Like the first time I heard that quote, it's like that is so true, right? That is and absolutely, it, and true. it goes back to what Bob was saying. We don't have too many failures where we actually abandon the project, right? That's why I just gave those two examples. Yeah, yeah. and I had a little mini failure this morning where i was starting to make the the wood beer mugs and i started using uh some pine white pine that i had and and i I glued up all the pieces yesterday and then this morning i started turning it on the lathe and i would notice like the end grain just tore out horribly and so it left all these little these little divots and and then when i when i got it off the lathe it just there was there's a little bit of walnut in there, and I just didn't like the way it looked. It didn't it didn't look good, and the end grain did not turn very well. And so I was like, hmm. Well, I I got to start over, and I'm and I'm going to use maple. And so what I took from that was I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn pine on the lathe anymore. I'm going to use mm. what I know works. And so right. I. You know, went out to the hardwood dealer, got some maple, and 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 redid it. So, I took that little mini failure, learned from it, moved on, and and now I know not to make that mistake again. Absolutely, I actually, I actually had kind of a mini failure in the same manner. Um, so before I started this uh, cabinet hidden door thing, I didn't think I'd have time to get that done in my normal you know video span. And um, so I was like kind of scrambling to find a smaller project that I could do really quickly while I was working on this thing in the background. And I've been wanting to cut bottles for a long time, you know, like get like a wine bottle or something and cut it into a big glass and then etch some stuff in the side of it. I have a like a vinyl sticker cutter and so I'm going to like make a cool design to wrap around it and etch the whole thing. And, you know, it's kind of a crafty thing and I thought it'd be fun. So and I know I've I've seen people cut bottles successfully using very little before. And so I went online, found a couple of examples of how to do it. I'm like, ah, it looks really easy. You score it, you know, you heat it, you cool it, you heat it, you cool it, and it snaps. Such and a I, pain in the butt. I tried it four times, four different bottles, and every one was just awful. And all the while, in, my, in the back of my head, I'm going, this is supposed to be the fast little project that gets out of the way <laughs> so that I can go to the one that I need to do. And it came down to me trying to, you know, avoid something. 
and uh, I put myself in a place where I was trying to make something happen that, you know, it, I may be able to do it one of these days, but it just wasn't, it wasn't going to work because I was trying to force it. And once I was like, let it go. Okay. I'm just going to sprint at this other project and get it done in the amount of time. And it's just going to be a lot of work and it's going to be hard and whatever. But, you know, I immediately started making progress in the other project. So it was a failure, but it was more of a distraction than a failure. And I still think I'll come back to it one of these days. And Yeah, I've, I've experimented quite a bit with cutting glass. And uh, for I used to work with a lot of uh, magicians. And for this one particular project, we were trying to turn two wine glasses, two wine bottles rather, into a, a, a sandy hourglass for an illusion. Hmm. So we were trying to cut the bottom off of the wine glasses perfectly. And I, we went through 10 bottles before we started getting, we were doing the project the way you were describing it with like heat, you cut the line and then you heat it and cool it, heat it like, and when you watch these guys on YouTube do it, it works perfectly. Yeah. But at least the few guys that we were watching and uh, we, we didn't have that type of success either. We ended up cutting it and then we, we had like a jagged cut and we were able to disguise it, which is how we ended up doing it ultimately. Hmm. But you guys reminded me, you reminded me of a funny, uh, <laughs> you guys have funny stories. A funny story. I once worked with a client, and this is a, this was a failure that I always remember. Um, the client gave me a butcher block table. It was like a the table was about forty inches wide by about sixty. It was a really heavy table. The thing weighed like a hundred pounds or more. It was just seemed like it weighed a hundred pounds. Two inch thick butcher block, super heavy and super sentimental. The client reminded me ten times how important it was to her that it come back perfect. I was going to refinish it, so I put it uh, a forty inch wide table on horses that were probably about two feet wide. So the table was on horses and then running perpendicular to the horses was the, the laminates. So if you could imagine the long way with the laminates and the horses were only supporting the middle portion of the laminates. And the day I worked on this table, I palm sanded it clean, perfectly smooth. And it happened to be a particularly super hot, humid day in my shop. And I was walking by the table all day long. I had coated it with a coating of polyurethane or some, maybe it was tongue oil I put on it. And it was drying. And then I walked past the, the room again and I noticed the table all of a sudden looked skinnier to me. And I'm like, am I losing my mind? Or is that table skinnier? I went back in the room and whatever was hanging off the horses literally just gave way and fell on the floor. Ooh. Because it was so hot and humid in that room, the laminate literally delaminated and it now, whatever was on the horses was, was still standing, and whatever was cantilevered <laughs> off of the horses had literally just under its own uh. like fallen, delaminated, and fallen off. And that's a table I carried from the Upper West Side. It leaned it. It was in my truck. It was in and out. It was everywhere. Just sitting in this humid room on this humid day, those two areas. De- and then when I got up close on it, all like a lot of the, the joints were delaminating. I literally took the table apart down to its like weakest joints and re-glued the whole entire thing back together. Hmm. Palm sanded the whole thing and brought it back and the client didn't know. But I had like two days extra work in it that I did not anticipate. And so now I know if I have a butcher block table or anything that's fragile, support the whole underside of it. Not saying that it probably wouldn't have, you know, the heat still had an influence on the table that day, but Hmm. those two sides fell completely off onto the ground, you know, under its heavyweight, they got dinged and stuff from falling down. And uh, I ended up routing a line underneath the table and putting a a threaded rod in two sections to make sure that it wouldn't happen again. Huh. So, yeah. so that was, you know, that's a stupid thing that I always remember is just like when you're going to support something from underneath, don't take for granted that the lamination that was done 20 years ago is still good. Hmm. It's actually probably good that, that it fell apart like that because it, it would have delaminated enough 
but it wouldn't have been visible. You know, it would have been just weaker. Yeah, you know? right. It would have been my fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next time it fell on her foot from her apartment. So. <laughs> anyway, just a dumb story about you know how failures lead to things that you'll never forget to check on next time. Yeah, yeah. As it, we see, we watch all these television shows and we watch all these YouTube videos, and it's you watch nothing but successes constantly. You know, like somebody finishing a project or, or completing something uh, or accomplishing something. And so a lot of times you don't get to see the, the, the failures on TV or YouTube except for epic fails or whatever. And so it's, it's, uh, that's why I love this conversation because we're, we're all screwing up. And if you, if you are just getting into to making, it could be devastating to actually screw something up. But you, you, you see all these people on YouTube not screwing up so it's important well, to s- that's because we can edit that's simply why yeah. i mean I, I screw things up all the time i just edit it out you know a lot of youtubers will leave their mistakes in because they're kind of talking your way through the process i realize it's difficult for me to leave a, a screw up in and explain it without actually talking mm. you know what yeah i'm saying if i go down i tried that with one of my tables um a table i made on a make magazine video where it's just all end grain slices of a birch tree and I, I glued it down on a piece of black plastic. I pulled the plastic off after all the epoxy had cured, but the epoxy had soaked into the wood so deep I couldn't pa- I couldn't literally belt sand it off. I had to rat off a whole like half inch. In hindsight, I would have left that whole piece of the edit out because so many people ask me, they're like, why did you just rat off a half inch of the table? I'm like, oh, because the stain, didn't you see the stain? But nobody mm-hmm. understands, you know, of course I didn't explain it verbally in the video. I, it's in some of the comments. So now when I make a mistake in some of my videos, I, I just edit out that whole section and, you know, it makes me look perfect, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 it's just, it's, it's not cause I want to look perfect. It's just cause it's, it's like a story I don't want to tell, you know, it, right. it's obvious. Yeah. It's obvious that, you know, everything has a, a huge uh, intellectual mental problem solving element to it. Yeah. You know, I don't always want to detail every aspect of it. So I just, like I just said, I just jumped to the finished edit. You know, everything looked like it worked perfect. I do see, I've seen a lot of different cases on a lot of different channels where people comment, when someone does make a mistake, they say, oh, it's great to see that you included, this is not in relation to you at all, Jimmy. I don't mean that. No, no, it, no uh, I totally agree with you. I, people I totally people really do enjoy seeing the fact that people make mistakes and pursue fixing it I, you know if you were just like <laughs> if you were to make a project video and something went wrong and then that was the end of the video like you just gave <laughs> up that would be pretty awful but i think people really like the fact that they get to see you go oh man and then like figure out how to fix it so like today i'm, I'm shooting this install for this cabinet and i hit that bump and i'm like ah oh, <laughs> you, you were done <laughs> yeah i'm like i was so close to done so my thinking is now, do I extend the video by two minutes to show my mistake and how I fixed it? Or do I try to gloss over it and hope people don't realize that there's like a whole section of the cabinet that's now disappeared? <laughs> you know, So, I mean, it makes a lot more sense for me to show, okay, here's a mistake I made. And since I'm talking, I can say, that's it. I mean, here, here's why I made about the it. mistake. You know, here, yeah. here, you know, the measurement changed and I just didn't account for it. And so I think it'll be good in that way. And, I, and people do... When they see us make mistakes and correct them, I think maybe it, I don't want to say humanizes, that's the wrong word, but it, it like, you know, they get, they can oh, relate, no, no. they it's, can relate with the yeah. fact that they see us totally. making mistakes. 
Um, in fact, um, a video that's coming out tomorrow on Make Magazine is where I make a I make a brass key for a, a, an old brass padlock. One of my fans sent me a padlock and said, "Can you make a key for this?" And I did, and it's the picture that I Instagrammed a couple of days ago. Um, but I went down a whole different path. It's I, I literally have a whole section of the video that I just threw away because when I first started to make the key, I spun a, a mandrel on the lathe. And I was going to put a little tab on it that was going to be the lever that was going to turn the mechanism to turn the lock. And I soldered it. I actually jointed it. I, I cut out the brass and I stuck the lever in there and I jointed it and it looked really cool. And then I'm looking at it and I'm playing with the lock and I'm like, there's no way that this lever isn't going to break off in time. It's not an integral piece of the brass. And so I came up with a much more interesting, cooler way to have made the key because I realized that that was going to be a failure. That would fail. It might work once. It wouldn't work more than a couple times, and mm. then it, the lever would break off. So what I ended up doing was I ended up realizing I need – how am I going to get that little lever on the key sticking straight out in space without being soldered on? It has to be part of the metal I start with. How do I do that? I literally took a f- piece of flat brass, and I rolled it around into a circular loop, which is the shaft of the key, and I left the tab sticking off of it. And now that becomes the end of the skeleton key. Mm. And uh, so that was um, – that, that video will – comes out tomorrow we're taping on wednesday but it'll be out thursday and you're going to be listening today on friday um so that whole section of the video i just left out it just goes from me playing with the lock to like jumping to the solution yeah but you know there was like five hours i cut out i'm showing you guys a picture of the oh yeah process should put a picture of that in show notes that's cool yeah and that totally was not the way i started this i was like oh this is going to be done in an an hour and and all of a sudden, like four or five hours later, I had a completely different solution. But now I have learned, I learned so much on that little dumb mistake, and I'm happy that it turned out the way it did. Now, I'm curious. You work in, in you know, more medium than David and I do, a lot of metal, mm-hmm. a lot of wood. Do you see failures or problems like that differently in wood and metal? Um, no. You know, it's funny. I, I, I sort of also always have this attitude, and I try and instill it in my students, is that you know, this is going to sound a little eccentric, but I say, you know, you are the, the God in the universe of that object. If you take it down a path and it, the path is a failure, you know, you could change it in any direction you want. Mm. You know, like I said, in the universe of that object, you're God. And, you know, if you, you, you went down the wrong path, just change the path and make it over again. And so I try and keep that attitude in metal and wood and, and anything. Uh, of course, if I actually the reception desk, the, the video where I make this reception desk uh, at steel and wood. I made the whole top, and in the video you, you see me welding the top. Zip, 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 zip. I'm welding the top onto the frame. The top buckled. I was nearly done with it, and the top had a big buckle in it because I overheated it. I welded too quick, too often, and it overheated the sheet metal on top, and it buckled it. I had to remake the whole top. Mm. So I looked around. I'm like, okay, I'll just use this top for a tool stand. So put it on the side. I remade a new top, and the top, instead of welding it on, I laminated it on with the construction adhesive. Hmm. In the end, you know, because I didn't want to make the mistake twice, I realized, you know, I'm going to rush it again. I'm going to I'm going to weld it too much, too fast, and then all of a sudden the heat buckles the top, and you can't flatten it out. So, I mean, these type of things happen often, and uh, you know, you just got to just roll with the changes. So, yeah. whether it's wood, metal, anything, you know, you just. Just try and remember that you're the god in the universe of that object. I, I love talking about your attitude towards a project. Not your attitude, but everybody's attitude. Because yeah. um, if you fail at something and you just have the attitude, well, 
heck with it. I'm not, I'm done, I'm done with it. You are definitely approaching your craft the wrong way. You're probably approaching other things in your life the wrong way. <laughs> and and, and uh, I am a true, absolute true believer in like bringing in like a positive attitude, a positive energy into everything you do and s- success comes from that. So if you, if you mess something up, you just got to say, oh, well, okay, that happened. Here's what I'm going to yeah. do to yeah. fix this. It's going to make me better. Uh, and then it makes you a better woodworker, a better, better metal worker. It makes you a better wife or a husband. Like it translates to everything in your life. When you change yeah. your attitude to just accept positive things or just accept these, these little mini failures and, and learn how to deal with that and, and learn to grow from it. I, again, another stupid philosophy that I keep in my mind is that, you know, it, Somebody, I just kind of had a little argument. I don't know if anybody noticed this, this little conversation I had with somebody because uh, the, the DeWalt box that I made, someone's like, are you, are you uh, endorsing these tools? I was like, not really. You know, I don't really have a relationship with DeWalt, but if you're worried about quality of tools, it's not really the quality of the tool that's going to get you through a project. It's your will yeah. and, your, and, and your intention. You could use any plastic tool with a cord on it that I've used in the last 20 years. They're all basically the same. Mm-hmm. You know, some have better reputations than others, but, you know, I, and in that comment, I said, I was in Guatemala last year and these guys making canoes with no electric and, you know, hand tools that hand tools that aren't even good quality hand tools that aren't even sharp well, sharpened well. And this guy's making a beautiful canoe that could pass for anybody with a shop with tools. Mm. So it's really the will and the way. And, um, yeah, I lost my I lost my train of thought. Well, I think you know the realm that we're all in. Where you know we come at it from different directions, but we're all in a place where we like we pursue something, right? We start with a need, or we start with a you know a client request or something, and we're pursuing an end. Um, and to get to that end, it's all about starting from nothing, taking some materials, putting the work in, putting our know how in, and all that's you know. So that's our process to get to that thing. So failure from a I give up standpoint really doesn't even make sense in that yeah, thing. It's really true. You know, because we're already starting at the failure point. When you start with nothing, you start with raw materials, you're starting at the worst possible place that you can be in the entire process. <laughs> yep. That's so if pretty you, intellectual. That's if cool. you've done like one <laughs> one step in making a table, then you have more table than you had before. So you're yeah. you're not failing unless you just don't finish the table. Or don't right. start the table. Or don't, yeah, exactly. That's that's the <laughs> most biggest failure. Don't start yeah. the table. Yeah. Failure to launch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's a that's a big that's a big block for everybody. I I think that's probably the most common fail is the fa- failure to launch. Right? Like yeah. like I'm I'm actually in that right now. Like two weeks ago, I said, "Hey, I'm going to build a coffee table," and I got the hardware. And I have I I've been making excuses to not build the coffee table because oh, these beer mugs will be quicker to make and, and film. Because <laughs> I know what, that week that I have to build that coffee table, there's a lot more video, there's a lot more editing, and I keep I keep blocking myself from starting this project. But really, I just need to say, no, let's let's do this. So. I believe the biggest failure is just starting something. Well, well it's funny. Uh, a famous quote, and I think it's Woody Allen, said 90% of success is just showing up. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, people who show up, you never know where it's going to lead. You might as well at least go to the job interview. Yeah. 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 Right. 
I, I listened to a new, this is maybe not even related. <laughs> may have just derailed us completely. I started listening to a new podcast. Um, it's not new, it's new to me called, uh, grit. And it was made. It's made by the five by five company. They do a lot of like, um, other ones that I listen to. And a lot of them are very entrepreneur based and, you know, business based. And this one's all about it. Actually, I found it from our last episode where we were talking about quitting your job. It's, it was originally called quit because the whole thing was about how to quit your job. Um, but a lot of what he talks about in that show is if you're stuck in a job you don't want to be doing, you're stuck in you know a place or it's, it's kind of focused on jobs, but I guess it could be anything. You're stuck in this thing. The only way you're ever going to move out of that thing is to, to take a step. And I know we've already done an episode on getting started, so I don't want to like go back to that. But if, if anybody listening is in that place where they're having trouble getting started or especially uh, quitting their job or pursuing something alongside their job that they want to do, this is a pretty good podcast to check out. It's called Grit on the 5x5 mm-hmm. five five network. So Very cool. you guys might want to check that out. Yeah, I always, uh, it, I remember what I was fumbling about a minute ago. I was trying to remember what I wanted to say and that was, uh, I always compare whatever it is I'm doing to what the Egyptians were able to do with nothing. Yeah. I mean, I know they had 2,000 years of society behind them, but even in the beginning of their their run, they made some pretty incredible things with nothing. So, uh, you know, when I think about the resources and, you know, the failure, the, the perceived failure of a project, I'm like, you know what? The Egyptians didn't give up. Mm. We, still, we still have evidence of what they were been able to create. So these little silly things, you know, keep, I keep in the toolbox in my mind. Minus the the part about the slaves and everything that they had to do all the work. But. <laughs> no, I am one of the slaves. I'm the one who's doing it, so I don't get whooped. <laughs> Seriously, you know, it's like I, I if I think of the those times, you know, I put myself in those times. I put myself in the hut with the chisels and you know, and the mallets. Honestly, I put Getting my dirty. put myself, yeah, and problem solving and figuring all that out. You know, mm-hmm. failure is not an option. Yeah, I mean, especially you think back at, the, at that point, you know, they're like, well, I have to build this barn so that my family can survive through the winter. <laughs> Failure <laughs> yeah. really is not an option. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, so maybe we take for granted the fact that, you know, uh, something not fitting or glass breaking or whatever, you know, it's not going to kill us, but we maybe keep that perspective that, um, you know. No, well, we, we have such a consumerist society, you know, it's like, oh. Throw it away. I'll just go buy another table. Yeah, you know. Or if you, I, I wonder if people fail at assembling IKEA stuff that they just throw it away and go buy it again. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Well, I think that's probably a good uh, place for us to wrap up this episode. Um, we have been getting some really awesome support on Patreon yes. recently, mm-hmm. and. It's just, it's amazing. And we want to be able to, we were talking before we started recording, we want to figure out a way that we can do more stuff for you guys who are supporting us on Patreon. Um, And I'm going to name everybody in just a second. And, you know, right now we have some rewards that are basically just us calling out your name and thanking you and then putting you in the show notes, but we would like to figure out how we can do more. So here's the thing. If you have ideas for topics or you have ideas for rewards for Patreon, Send them to info at makingitpodcast.com. Let us know because we seriously, we really appreciate the support and we want to figure out some more stuff we can do for you guys. 
if you're not supporting us on Patreon, it's it's a fantastic way for you to help us out, help us keep doing the show, cover the cost of um, hosting, and you know just help us to make this a priority for all three of us because we really do enjoy doing it. So check us out at patreon.com slash making it. And I want to thank Nicholas, Jesse, Ben, Jacob, Joseph, Minch. I got it right. Andreas, Charlie, Colby, Kelly, and Joel for uh, being you know top supporters on Patreon thank this you month. You, you guys are awesome. Thank you all very much. So awesome. Yeah. So be sure to check us out on iTunes. Like David said, give us reviews. Subscribe there. That helps a lot. And uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you in the next one. Thank you, guys. See you in two weeks. Peace.